the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I believe that God wants to work miracles in and around your life and in and around my life and in and through our church. But it all begins when we call upon the name of the Lord and submit to His plan and His will for our life. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. What does that tell you? What name of God is that referring to? It's always referring to Yahweh. For the Hebrew people, for the Jewish people, they would not even voice that name. So Jonah says, I I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Notice the response. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. What an important lesson. When you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, even those who don't follow God that are in your little corner of the world know when you've walked away from his presence. (laughs) Please understand this. You've got coworkers, you've got classmates, you've got neighbors, and they know that you got up this morning and you came to church. They know that you profess to follow Christ, but they see the rest of you. And if it's inconsistent with that professed walk, they see it. They see when you're fleeing the presence of the Lord. If it is consistent, they see that as well. Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. And he said to them, Notice this. Pick me up. Hurl me into the sea. And the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great temptus has come upon you. All right, class. Let's do a quick pop quiz. Is there any other answer Jonah could have given? Do you think maybe he could have said, yeah, I'll tell you what you need to do. Turn the boat around, head back to Joppa, let me off. I got to go where he told me to go. That would have been the obedient response. But even in this moment, he did not respond with obedience. He would rather die than do the will of God. Do you see that? What began as a step in the wrong direction became a desire for self-destruction. He gave up when God simply wanted him to get up and to go after it. 
And I, as a pastor, have seen this time and time again. People go down that sinful spiral and they find themselves in a situation so far away from God that their hearts and even their minds are hardened to his will and they would rather give up than get right. Verse 13, nevertheless, say nevertheless. What does that mean? They didn't do what Jonah said to do. The men rode hard to get back to dry land. The people that were worshiping the false gods, they did what Jonah should have told them to do. But God wasn't trying to get their attention. He was trying to get Jonah's attention. Therefore, they called out to God, Lord, oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So then they picked up Jonah, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. (laughs) And then one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Look at verse 17. Kind of like a footnote on this chapter. There was revival among the sailors. I mean, these idol worshipers were having church. Not Jonah. (laughs) And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Could say the moral of this story is that when you step out of the will of God, you become bait for a hungry world. There's always someone or something ready to snap you up when you run away from the word and the will of God. I want to talk about Jonah for a couple minutes, but then I want, to, I want us to learn today from these sailors. Because that's the main point of this part of scripture, what I think we can learn from this, these sailors. But first, think about Jonah. Now, I've been a pastor for about 25 years. And what I've noticed from that and then from growing up in church is that Jonah had a lot in common with backslidden believers. People who profess to follow God, but whose lives are taking them in a different direction. First of all, because he was whiny. Instead of answering the call of God, he made it all about him. How often do we do that in our lives? We act like it's all about us, like the world is just revolving around us. And so our preferences, our desires, what we like, how we feel is what guides us. Jonah was faithful as long as God wanted what Jonah wanted. But when God wanted Jonah to do something different, his faithfulness ceased. Those two desires collided Jonah's faith collapsed. He was whiny. He was wimpy. I I feel like he, he avoided the tough call of just being faithful to what the Lord was calling him to do. Again, for a lot of years in church, I've watched as people that God has spoken into their lives and they turn and run 
how their lives just are never what it wants to be. In fact, let me just tell you something I really believe to be true with all my heart. The most dissatisfied church members I've ever seen in my life are men that I believe that God called earlier in their life to respond in obedience to ministry. And they rebelled. Maybe not into a life deep of sin, but just because it didn't seem to work with their family plans. It didn't seem to work with their finances. It didn't seem to work with their future as they saw it. And then Jonah was all wet. You know what else I've noticed about backslidden believers? No matter what they say, no matter what, how they act, they're all wet. I I looked up just to make sure that was what I thought it was. And if if you Google all wet, what does that mean? You know what it means just in our modern day language? It just means completely wrong. And when you profess to follow Christ, but in your lifestyle, it doesn't look like you're walking with Jesus. I'm just telling you, you are completely wrong. And so God, God did what God always does. Do you know that if, if God is trying to work in your life and you're disobedient, you're putting up the hand, you're saying, no, thank you. Do you know that God may move on? You know, I believe you can look at the, the church culture in our world today and you could say, Hey, are there times where God was telling them to act or respond in a certain way and they did not do it? And so he, he began to move on. I think that's true. Some of my friends at, at Lake Carroll Baptist Church, they would look back and say more than 20 years ago, we feel like God was giving us a clear word for how we needed to move forward as a church family. But instead of moving forward in unity, we turn inward in division, and we begin to see God's blessings step away. And so in this story, God moves from communicating his word and his will to Jonah, and he begins to do a work of revival among Jonah's shipmates, the idol-worshiping sailors. First of all, they were curious. I mean, don't you love how they peppered Jonah with questions? Don't raise your hand. But most of us here profess to be followers of Christ. Most of us watching profess to be followers of Christ. Did you know that the people around you are curious? If you gave them the opportunity, they may not, they may not ask your nationality or tell me about what your God, what's the name of your God. But they want to know what difference he makes in your life. We're so caught up that if we get the the tough questions we can't answer, we don't even talk about our faith. When most of the people around us, they don't want to answer those tough questions. They just want to know, does it make any difference? When you walk through the same trials that I walk through, is it any different? Do you have hope? Do you have joy? Can you have peace? They're curious. Their questions were personal. They were probing. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. 
You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. I want you to think, if you're taking notes, you might just say, who in my little corner of the world might be curious right now? Who is there? Maybe a student I teach, or, or, or someone in a classroom with me, or, or maybe it's a coworker, or a neighbor, or a family member that may be curious, and I've just bought into this lie that my faith is personal, so it has to be private, and I never deal with it. They were curious, but they also then confessed. Did you, you see that? What does it mean to confess? Does anybody know? What does it mean to confess? In, in biblical terms, it means to ag- agree with God. If you don't know that, write it down. It means to agree with God. So what were they confessing? They heard from Jonah, hey, who is this God? Oh, this is Yahweh. Yahweh, the God of the heavens, the one who made the land and the sea. And so then they begin to cry out to Yahweh. Oh, Lord. We're sorry we made you mad. What's going on here? Help us out. They agreed with God that he was God, that he was sovereign. And in light of, their, of his lordship, they called on his name. Now, do we know anything from the New Testament that happens when people call on the name of the Lord? Does anybody know anything that happens? Yeah, people are saved. We get this from Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that everyone, say everyone. And it shall come to pass that everyone, say everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who does God want to be saved? Who, who can call on the name of the Lord and be saved? That's what the Bible says, and, and that's what I believe. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The Bible teaches that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, recognizing that Jesus is God, and that as God, he died for our sins, he was buried, he rose from the grave, and they surrender control of their life to him, that person's eternity changes in an instant. That's what it means. That's why Jonah is such a wonderful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's a question. I... Listen to what I'm about to ask. I'm not going to ask. Have you been a member of a church? I'm not going to ask. Have you ever been baptized like our three wonderful friends were this morning? I'm not going to ask. Have you raised your hand and said a prayer or walked down an aisle to just as I am? But what I'm asking today is have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you recognized that there is one true God, and that's your only hope of salvation? 
Have you agreed with God that your sin has separated you from him and you don't want to live life separated from him? So you've trusted in what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary when he died as punishment for your sin. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Well, they did. And then they made a commitment. They made a commitment that day. Isn't it interesting? Here is Jonah. He's asleep. He's whiny, wimpy, and about to be wet. And they're out there in a worship service. And they turn to Jesus, and and then what do they do? They begin to sacrifice. They give back. And then they make vows. What does that mean? Well, just over 25 years ago, I stood in a church and I made vows to my wife. Something like this. I promised to love and to honor, to comfort and cherish in sickness and health and poverty and wealth, forsaking all others, keeping only to you as long as we both shall live. That was a vow. She expects me to keep that. A vow meant they were saying, not only God, in this moment do we now recognize that you, Yahweh, the Lord of the heavens, the God of the land and the sea, not only in this moment do we give to you something to show we believe it, we vow and commit our lives to you. But you know what they had to do to get there? You got your seatbelt on. They, they had to sacrifice There was a storm raging around them, and they had to sacrifice Jonah. (laughs) Who's Jonah a type of? Who's Jonah a symbol of? Say that again. Now, everybody else say it. Hey, about 2,000 years ago, there was a storm raging on a place called Mount Calvary. And the God of the universe has sent his son, Jesus the Christ, who lived 33 years of perfect life, 100% God, 100% man. But on that day, he was on the cross dying and a storm was raging. A storm was raging not because of the sin of one man named Jonah, but because of the sins of all of mankind. And the only way out of that storm was for there to be a sacrifice. And so the God who could have called 10,000 angels and could have hopped down off of that cross, the God who could have spoken a word and zapped the soldiers that were spitting on him, he stayed there and he took it and he died a sacrificial death. And when he was sacrificed, when he was sacrificed, the storm ceased. So as a result of that, the sailors made a commitment. Hey, what commitment is God asking you to make today for his glory? Yeah. This is not the amen moment. This is the oh my moment, right? Yeah. So what, this is the the question we have to ask every week. What difference does it make? Right? Right? So am I willing to make a commitment that my habits are different because of what Jesus has done for me? Am I willing to make a commitment that my worship is different? It's not about me. It's not about what I know and what I like and how it's always been. It's different because of what Jesus has done for me. Am I willing to make a commitment that my devotion is different? How I spend my time, I set aside time to focus on him. Am I willing to make a commitment that my service is different? 
I don't know about you, but I loved when I drove up today. There were people holding signs, welcoming here. Somebody even saw it was me, and they had a sign specially for me. It said, you look amazing today. (laughs) I love that. You know, they're serving. Is, Is God calling you to adjust your service because of your commitment to him, your stewardship, how you give, how you're faithful? Well, I love this story. But I want us to learn a couple of things. So let me just give you, here's the bullet points and then I want to pray with you. First this, ask God to help you recognize the idols in your life. See, the first thing the sailors had to do is recognize the idols. (laughs) They had to realize that what they were doing was not working. And, And if you want to experience a revival in your life, the first step is to recognize maybe some of what you're doing is not working. What are the idols? Let me just run through a list and, and jot it down if it, if it tracks with you. Hey, could your work life be an idol? Could your play life be an idol? Your hobbies, what you're doing for fun? Did you know even your family or your relationships could be an idol? Do you know your religious activity could be an idol? Hey, the... the The sailors on the boat, they were doing everything they could religiously. They were working hard, but it's not ever about our works. Our works can become an idol, particularly in my life. Let me just tell you something. If I'm not careful, ministry can become an idol that takes the place of my intimacy. And the only replacement for an idol is the one true God. Calling upon Jehovah. Yahweh, the God of heavens. I think God wants to break down your idols and teach you to rely solely on his amazing grace. So ask him to help you recognize the idols. And maybe you need to ask this, because what I love about a passage like this is it preaches itself. It it talks to us, just the scriptures. So maybe you just need to ask yourself this question. What is God going to have to do to get my attention? What is he willing to break apart to get my attention? Let me give you the second truth. Ask God to give you a heart of repentance that you might know and do his will. Ask him to give you a heart of repentance. So Jonah still doesn't repent. He doesn't do it. But the sailors made up for him. They get right from God. How did they do it? They noticed that they couldn't save themselves. They cried out to God for salvation. And then they knew that their lives needed to please him. So they stopped what they were doing and began doing things God's way. And, and some of us, to, to take that turn and be repentant, there's got to be a moment where we stop. I got a call yesterday that Hillsborough County Schools are going to have a a lockdown drill this week. We didn't have those when I was growing up, but we did have fire drills. And then we had the firemen come and talk to us. You know what they told us? If there's a fire, there are three things they told us as little kids to do. Say it. They told us to y'all pass that class. They told us to stop, drop, and roll. And really, I just want you to understand, if you want to live that repentant life, first you got to stop, drop what you're doing, and roll into God's presence and let him speak to you the way he desires. Let me give you the third thing. Allow God to do what only he can do, which is to rescue you. At the end of the day, only God can take our messed up lives and turn them into miracles for his glory. 
God was at work all throughout Jonah's journey. He started by providing his word. That was verse 1. In verse 4, he showed he was, he was willing to provide his work. That was the hand where he tossed the storm out. And then at the end of the chapter, he provides a way out. Did you know we have a God who always provides a way out? Let me be bold here for a second. And this time I do want you to raise your hands. Because I think this could be just a, a step of commitment toward God. How many of you here have something in your life where you say, I need God to provide a way out in this area of my life? I'm there. How about anybody else? All right. God provided a way out for the sailors, right? Way out for the sailors was sacrificing Jonah. God provided a way out for Jonah. What was Jonah's way out? The fish. Sometimes God will provide a well of a circumstance. And that's his way out for your glory. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.